This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Well, happy Thursday. We're almost at the end of the week. And you know... Thanksgiving is next week, but a lot of... Can you believe it, Yeah, I can't believe it. It's It's weird. We just started the top of November being in Palm Springs for Pride. Yeah. And now we're halfway through the month. So to be clear, from Halloween until the end of the year, basically the year's over. It just feels like it speeds up and just happens. But a lot of people might be having their own little holiday gatherings with friends. It's called Friendsgiving. Uh, This weekend, perhaps, you were mentioning that you're invited to a Friendsgiving? Yeah, you know, I got a couple Friendsgivings that I'm going to. A couple? Um, yeah, a couple, you know. You wow. Know, every year you get invited to certain things and people are staying in town and it's 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 a, it's going to be a fun situation even though I don't have to bring anything. I don't cook. Did you ask? I'm probably going to bring a bottle of wine. You should just ask, do you need anything? Why would I do that if I know That's I don't cook? That's usually what you do. You don't I'm, need to I'm, cook something. You I'm going to bring it a up. bottle of wine. That's what I'm going to bring. Okay, what if they don't want a bottle of wine? What if they have enough wine? Well, that's my business. We're just going to have more wine. It's like a four-hour, five-hour thing. <laughs> Keep it for yourself. Do you ever bring a bottle of wine somewhere, and then you end up opening that one and having it for yourself? Well, no. Actually, if I don't... Are you the type of person where you, if you bring a bottle somewhere, if no one touches it, do you take it back? Uh, no, I don't take it back. Oh, I've taken it back. No! <laughs> Ow! Oh, my God, I got it. Did you just pull your back while laughing? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> This is where we're at in our lives right now. And you said, I'm old. We're talking about soup. You're pulling your back out right here in the studio. Oh, no. Okay, this is serious. It was a trolley horse. Okay. It's like a cramp in my leg happened live on air. Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, I think the universe is telling us to wrap up from that. Uh, but if you're wondering, Maybe. I'm not invited to, uh, invited to any Friendsgivings. I think the universe is actually telling me I'm dehydrated. Does someone want to go grab me water? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, wow. This is happening. <laughs> Live. Okay, coming up no on the show. No one moved. Can someone go I grab me water? I need to tell people what's coming up. <laughs> Everyone is wondering where Kamala Harris is, what she's up to. We've got some answers in 15 minutes. Plus, a pop star couple has split. The news that broke overnight in the Tea Report in a moment if Ryan gets better. Otherwise, I'll be doing it. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Eight cities in the U.S. scored a zero out of 100 on the 10th annual Municipal Equality Index, which basically evaluates cities and towns based on the level of LGBTQ inclusion found in their local laws, policies, and services. Advocacy groups, Human Rights Campaign, and Equality Federation evaluated 506 municipalities, including the country's 50 state capitals, 200 largest cities, And this year's zero-point earners aren't that surprising. They span from South Carolina to Wyoming. So basically the South. 
needs to step up their game, which we know. And you would think that something like this would, like, encourage them to do it. Not just so sure, unfortunately. Now, Reverend Al Sharpton joined more than 100 black pastors and spoke outside the trial on the killing of Ahmed Arbery and called out the defense attorney who tried to ban him. You can't imagine the pain of a mother to sit there and look at the killers of her son and their family and nobody sitting there with her. The pain of a father who won't get a call from his son anymore. I did not come in the courtroom to protest, I came to pray that they would have the strength to stand up. Now, I do protest, but I came as a minister. And this man, the next day, defiled me for coming and said, why was I there? That we must have an agenda. Yes, our agenda is that the God we serve would give strength to this woman and this man and this family. Now, Arbery's killing sparked national outrage after a video of his shooting was made public. The 25-year-old black man was out for a jog in Brunswick when he was fatally shot. Closing arguments are set for Monday. The jury in the trial consists of one black member and 11 white members. <laughs> Talk about bias. Oh, I know. Uh, and that was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, besides me dying yep. for entertainment, um, it, it's time for the Z-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now because Camila uh, Cabello and Sean Mendez are no longer wow. together. I they, was surprised. I saw that late last night. I wasn't surprised either. Honestly, I celebrated. Um, so, <laughs> basically, the singer-songwriters announced their split after more than two years of dating on their Instagram accounts Wednesday. Their joint message shared as a story read, Hey guys, we decided to end our romantic relationships for our love to one another as humans. Uh, as yeah, as humans is stronger than ever. We started our relationship as best friends um, and we'll continue to be best friends. We so appreciate your support from the beginning and moving forward. And of course, after years of friendship and crushing hard on each other, the couple got together in July 2019 and um, Fast became known for their PDA packed outings yeah like you know the, the video that went viral of them like kissing and stuff yeah they were all into each other even recently during the pandemic posting a lot together yeah and they also de- uh, of course duetted on the hit song Senorita and so yeah I mean uh, it's the end of a chapter either way I'm happy about it because they were forcing those two on us oh. um, that's your tea report though I got more coming up next hour well VP Kamala Harris has responded to the rumors about feeling misused by the White House what she had to share next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, there's been a lot of headlines around VP Kamala Harris. Where is she? What is she up to? And that there's dysfunction on her team. And so she actually pushed back at those reports. She has not been effective in her role. She told this to ABC's George Stephanopoulos. This was a good week. And this week, when we got this bipartisan infrastructure act passed and signed by the president makes a statement about all of the hard work that has gone into it month after month after month i've traveled around the country as has the president we have convened members of congress we have convened people around our nation asking what do you want and this is a response to what they want and it's actually going to hit the ground in a way that is going to have direct impact on the american people we're getting things done and we're doing it together so you don't feel misused or underused? 
No, I don't. I am very, very excited about the work that we have accomplished, but I am also absolutely, absolutely clear-eyed that there is a lot more to do and we're going to get it done. Okay, uh, Jackie Coppell joins us right now, political commentator. Jackie, welcome back. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hi, uh, I'm excited to talk to you about this because we've been seeing all these headlines and I feel like a lot of people don't think that Kamala Harris is necessarily doing her job. What do you think about the latest? Well, I think that this is a pretty standard headline for most vice presidents, to be honest. Uh, We heard this about Joe Biden. Uh, You could argue we even heard this about Pence. What was he up to? Where was he? Uh, I think that that generally speaking, vice presidents, it's it's honestly a tough position because you can't overshadow your boss, but you have to do a good enough job, particularly in a first term, uh, to continue to prove your worth, right, to be a value add so that if, let's say, in this case, Biden runs again, she's on a ticket. Now, if she if Biden decides not to run, obviously, she is very much considering, therefore, running. Right. Of course, Biden has said that has said nothing of the sort either way. I'm not trying to have have any conjecture, but just explaining uh, that's it's a, a complicated position that people are in. What does it mean, though, in terms of, you know, Kamala's future, or excuse me, Harris's future, or uh, the future of the Democratic Party, that's where it gets a little bit of, into strategy. Whoever is putting this out there, whether it's, whether it's true or not, uh, there's a goal, which is to diminish Harris, right? Mm-hmm. Because if she's going to run for president, whether uh, in a few years or at the end of a second Biden term, people would want to diminish her power, her influence, whatever it may be, prevent her from actually winning the presidency. So there's some strategy involved if it is, in fact, not true that she is being underused. And if it is true, they certainly want to quash that. Kamala uh, Harris's people would want to quash that. And by the way, I'm very specific in wanting to call her uh, by her last name. We refer to most politicians that way. And I feel like sometimes women in particular get the first name Mm. and I want to treat everyone the same way. Yeah, I agree. Um, A lot of Republicans are kind of saying already that you can kind of tell about someone's leadership from their campaign. And I feel like people are trying to bring that up in the sense of during her campaign, there was also headlines saying that there was kind of a lot of just people were just disjointed. It wasn't like unity and there was a lot of things just happening. Do you think that really is true? Do you can you tell about someone's leadership qualities by the way they run their campaign? Well, I think that to some degree, right, when you are in a leadership position, the buck stops with you. So how it operates to some degree is uh, coming from the top. But campaigns are really complicated. And the candidate ultimately doesn't. It's a weird thing to say, but in terms of who actually operates a campaign, it really is the campaign manager. So if there was tumult in the campaign, as was reported, my guess is it actually stemmed a lot from the campaign manager, possibly the communications with the campaign manager and the candidate, whatever relationship that exists there. Um, she had family involved, so that can get complicated, too, uh, both from a candidate to family perspective, but also when family is involved, uh, then transmitting messages to the rest of the campaign staff. You know, lines get get sort of blurry and it, it does get complicated. And it, it at least reports say that that's what happened in her campaign. Uh, if it's in fact what's happening in the vice presidency, obviously not great for her and something that she'll have to get a hold of. Definitely. Well, she's been put in charge of the crisis at the border. But like, what have we seen? What do you think is going to come out of all of this right now? More action or she, you don't think she cares? She's just going to continue doing what she's doing? I think I think all politicians care. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of Kamala Harris. 
because of these reports. And who knows? Maybe that was strategy. Maybe, in fact, someone from her team put it out there because they wanted to send a message to, to Biden's team. Hey, you know, let's focus on her. Let's give her, give her some more attention. Yeah. Right. We don't know sort of where these rumors are coming from. Uh, in terms of other things that she's been charged with, immigration is a very tough issue. It's very complicated. So I think and, and sort of there's no winning. It, so it seems no matter what you do. So my guess is she wants to be a little quieter on that front because uh, she knows she's going to take a fair amount of uh, fire, as it were, political fire with whatever moves are made. Definitely. Well, that was Jackie Coppell, political commentator. Thanks again for joining us. And you can follow her at Jackie Coppell, right? That's it on Instagram? You got it. Exactly right. Perfect. On Instagram and Twitter. There you go. Well, next up, the second person has been cured of HIV without treatment. So what does that mean for the future of HIV? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Scientists say they've found a woman whose body was able to get rid of HIV on its own. And it's only the second time this has ever been reported. This is huge news. And you might be asking, like, how did this happen? What does this say for others with HIV and the future of HIV? Well, Dr. Bruce D. Walker joins us right now, director of the Reagan Institute of MGH, MIT, and Harvard. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, sure. Glad to be here. Uh, this is historic, obviously. Can you explain how this happened? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I've been uh, I've been a physician my entire career, and uh, I started right at the beginning of the HIV epidemic. And, you know, we thought everybody was going to die of this disease. And um, before antiviral therapy became available, I had, I saw a patient who was able on his own to control the virus to undetectable level without medication. So we realized that some people are able to do that. Now, just recently in the last year, we've figured out how people can do that, about 1% of people. What we've now found now in these two patients is that in some people, that immune response is so good that they actually clear infectious virus from their bodies and to the to the best of our ability to actually measure that. So in the same way that Timothy Brown was considered uh, cured, you have to consider these people also cured by the same criteria. Okay, so how is this, I guess, if I'm putting cure in quotes, different from kind of like taking medicine and reaching a level of undetectable yeah. status? Well, that's a, that, that's a really good question. When you take when somebody takes medication and gets to an undetectable level, they still have virus in their in their cells actually hiding out in their DNA. If you stop the drugs, the virus comes roaring back. Mm. Um, what's different here is that not only is there no detectable virus in their bloodstream, there's no infectious virus locked in their in their genetic material. So it's really quite a, it was really. <laughs> You know, quite a surprise to us that 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 they were actually able to do this. But it it the, to me, the fact that two people have been able to do this just tells me that we've got to be able to reproduce this in other people, and we have a very clear hypothesis as to how to do that. And that's what we're working on now. Our goal is to cure HIV infection, not just in these rare individuals that do it on their own, but to train the immune systems of people who are chronically infected on antiretroviral therapy and ideally cure the infection in them using their own immune systems, but, but tweaking their immune systems, training them in a way that they can do what these 
what these two patients appear to have done. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing and remarkable. I mean, in many ways, that would be more of a holistic approach to this, right? Well, that's the way I feel, is that, you know, the immune system is really remarkable. I mean, it, it we have cancerous cells that develop um, every day, and our immune system clears those as long as it's healthy. Um, we have viruses that we're infected with, like the virus that causes mono, and we keep that virus in check with a with an effective immune response. And what was remarkable to me 25 years ago when I met the first patient who was doing that to HIV on his own, keeping it in check, I was astounded. In that individual, though, we could still grow virus out of his out of his blood cells. In contrast, in these two individuals, we can't find virus anywhere. Yeah, so realistically, what does this mean for the future of HIV treatment? Does this mean that it'll be people will be able to get their hands on this and, and be cured? Like, what well, does that look like? What's that timeline I mean, look like? You know, I think we have to be careful and say that yeah. this is a hypothesis. And I think it's a very credible hypothesis. It's supported by these people that we call elite controllers who do this without fully eliminating the virus. So people can control HIV with their immune systems. What's more remarkable is that at least in two individuals, we know that they can actually clear infectious virus. What it means for people on ART right now is that we don't yet have an answer, but we're we're actually doing the same kinds of studies in people that have been on long-term uh, antiretroviral therapy. And we're finding something quite remarkable, which is that in some of those individuals, by this same very sophisticated, very laborious assay or measurement that we do, that some people on very long-term uh, HIV treatment uh, have been able to apparently clear infectious virus, so we can't find it anymore. And what our plan is is to um, is to document that as well as we can in in um, a number of volunteers, and then and then stop therapy and see if we're actually correct. So this is really going to be a partnership between the you know between research and people affected by HIV, and that's really how we've dealt with this from the very beginning. It's been a partnership, and so we're we're hopeful that we'll find individuals that will work with us to see if we can if we can actually um, demonstrate that they've um, that they've cured themselves i i think we will find some individuals that have done that and i think we'll be able to tweak the immune system in others um at least that's the hypothesis i mean it it does sound like hope at the end of the tunnel so i think that's what people really want to hear and cling on to so i think that's this is good news just to talk about you know Get more well, and I, I do want to say though that I, you know, I think I, I don't want to be a, a spreader of false hope. Yeah, I think yep. that this is something that is, you know, we can be optimistic about, but we have to be cautiously optimistic. Right. And, it's going to take a while to figure it out. And it also doesn't mean you start your own regimen because you hear this. It's no. like, make sure no. you're safe. Isn't that with anything, though? Like, especially yeah. with science and, and vaccines surprised. and what we've learned. You'd be surprised. I mean, but we've learned so much with everything, uh, the vaccines when it comes to COVID, and there's been so many relations to how people have compared the two and all these things. So I feel like we've learned 
a lot um, about how we should look at vaccinations and in, in the news and the education around it. So, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Glad to. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was Dr. Bruce D. Walker, director of the Reagan Institute of MGH, MIT, and Harvard. Well, next up, one politician wants to bring Kyle Rittenhouse into politics. This is just bad. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Representative Matt Gates continues to be Matt Gates, uh, saying that Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, the teen on trial for killing two people at a Black Lives Matter protest last year in Wisconsin, might be um, a good congressional intern and said his office might reach out. He uh, shared this on air while being interviewed. Here's a clip. He is not guilty. He deserves a not guilty verdict. And I sure hope he gets it because you know what? Kyle Rittenhouse would probably make a pretty good congressional intern. We may reach out to him and uh, see if he'd be interested in helping the country uh, in, in additional ways. Okay. Did we need to hear this? Did we need this? No. Um, and, of course, this comes from someone who ha- continues to have legal trouble himself. He's under investigation. Gates is part of a sex trafficking probe. You know, no biggie. That led to the arrest and plea deal of his reported wingman, Joel Greenberg, also. So, yeah. yeah, as as you say, uh, uh, cut from the same cloth. I don't think I've ever seen. Or what's that. the other one? The, like whoever fly together, stay together. Birds of a feather. Yes, flock together. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe he said it, but it's just another Republican doing the Republican thing. Exactly, and we're still waiting to hear what happens with Rittenhouse. It's unfortunate that now this has become also um, part of the rights arguments around, you know, uh, woke culture and continue to spread racist hate uh, around this. And I just feel like everyone's just like tapping into this trial as a way to continue to spread their own misinformation and also just angry, ugly views about our world. Yeah, Matt Gates is the last person that you want to be on your side, if I'm being honest. But clearly he likes young people, young girls specifically. 
Yeah, and and, it's true. and, that's and what, that's others the, maybe um that's what the, the the news was all about. You know, he's yes. still going through that scandal. Uh huh. And and he likes others who are maybe um also young and that could help him uh do things because he had that wingman that like has come forward with this as I mentioned. But um you know yeah it's really unfortunate that he had to throw this out there and of course everyone picked it up and yeah it's gross. So that's yeah. it. <laughs> Nothing more to say about this. Uh, but next up, we're going to move on. Nothing more to say, really. How Texas allies, you know, Texas has been doing a lot of bad things. But mm. now there are allies showing up for the trans community. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Well, all right. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, lots coming up right here on Channel Q, including more music. But right now, we've got some headlines for you and some stories that you should know about. One writer shares their experience on Trans Awareness Week, and that's in 15 minutes. Plus, more proof that Kim and Pete Davidson are together. That's in the tea report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Uh, trucks displaying positive messages like trans lives are precious were driven around Texas's state capital during Transgender Awareness Week in a message to the state's government after Lawmakers in Austin spent a year attacking transgender youth, forcing trans young people, their families, and activists to go to the state capitol many times to fight misinformation and prejudice. Now the city is getting a positive message about trans people. Uh, the online trans and queer health platform Folks Health put the trucks on the streets of Austin with these messages, as well as protect trans youth. Another message on the truck is the name of the platform itself. So good on Folks Health for doing that. They're definitely a great platform, doing great work. But yeah, it's unfortunate. Hopefully these are messages that we get daily. I agree. Uh, next up, Judge Schroeder, of course, from the Rittenhouse trial, has banned MSNBC journalists from the courthouse after reports that they followed Rittenhouse jury bus. I have instructed that no one from MSNBC news will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. Uh, this is a very serious matter, and I don't know what the ultimate truth of it is, but absolutely it, it, it would go without much thinking that someone who is following uh, the jury bus, uh, that is a very, ex it's extremely serious matter. All right, the jury is still deciding the fate of Rittenhouse. Oh my God, you missed an opportunity. You could have said the jury's still out. Oh, yeah, the jury's still out. Yeah, wow. I didn't think about that. Just That's why you're it. there. You're there. Just missed it. Now, uh, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt has granted clemency to Julius Jones, ending his death sentence just hours before he was scheduled to be executed for a 1999 murder he says he did not commit. His sentence will be commuted to life in prison without the possibility of parole. According to this executive order filed today, uh, the Republican governor came to the decision following, quote, prayerful consideration and reviewing materials presented by all sides of this case. And he said this on Twitter. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so it is official. Kim K, Pete Davidson, they're an item. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they were, of course, it's been months um, after seeing them basically kiss on SNL. Mm -hmm. and I, I watched that, by the way. I went back because I don't know why I'm so fascinated. I went back and watched the SNL clip of them kissing or the whole sketch of them playing Jasmine and Aladdin. Yeah, and so um, basically after, 
that whole moment, yeah, they were seen at the theme park being all cute and stuff together, holding hands on on the um, on the roller coaster. And then, of course, I reported back that a friend of a friend already said they've been dating for a minute, but now it's public. They are officially dating, according to several sources who are saying that Kim is officially falling for Pete. This source says he makes her feel good and she's excited to see what happens. Um, the source also noted that Kim's friends and family are happy and eager for her to have fun and be free amid her divorce. Um, according to the source, everything flows well when they're together. And Kim is always left smiling and excited after hanging out with a Pete who makes her laugh. Aww. I don't know. Something is in the Pete juice. <laughs> so that's the your tea report. Kool Aid. I'm wishing nothing but the best for them. Yes, definitely. Well, next up, it's Trans Awareness Week, but trans people deserve so much more than that. We have them writer James Factora joining us to share more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's Trans Awareness Week and Trans Day of Remembrance on Saturday, but the reality is that we're in the middle of a crisis where more trans people are being attacked and murdered daily. One writer shared his own experience experience and perspective about this time on them.us. James Factora joins us right now. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Tell us more about what you wanted to share this year that you really reflected on in your piece, which was very beautiful and powerful. Thank you so much uh, for the kind words. Um, Yeah, I think just, you know, kind of to recap, like, I think, you know, the notion that trans people needed a whole week of awareness when in reality it's that kind of, you know, hypervisibility that has gotten um, the most vulnerable among us, like, killed at, like, record high levels this year. Um, I just thought that notion was kind of ridiculous. And then, you know, like, in addition to, like, the violence, like, in the streets, there's also, like, the violence that's happening in, you know, um, legislative sessions, like, uh, around the country right now, like more anti-trans bills have been introduced in state legislatures this year than like any other year in history. Um, and most of those bills, you know, are attacking trans kids. And those are, you know, obviously among the most vulnerable people. And so I kind of thought, you know, like no trans person that I know actually thinks that what we need is more awareness, mm-hmm. um, you know, we need we need much more than that. Like awareness isn't enough, you know? Yeah, and I think when you think about the evolution of when this week was created and what it was meant for then and how sometimes things just change and the nece- the, the necessary needs just often evolve and change, being like, okay, it worked then, it needs to be something now. Um, I, 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 I honestly, when I saw this week was happening, uh, I actually tweeted online a you know, as a cis, queer, black person, I, I think about oftentimes how the mainstream media around transness is nothing but trauma. Mm. Like, nothing but trauma. And I've had conversations with, you know, trans folks uh, who are really dear, close friends of mine who have, that's not necessarily their experience. It needs to be, of course, highlighted. But can you talk about the importance of also highlighting like trans joy and celebrating, you know, moments where oftentimes in a week like this, everyone's only kind of highlighting, of course, the necessary facts of this being the highest record year of murders, but also Mm -hmm. 
there's more to the trans experience than just that as well. Can you talk about the importance of the duality of making sure everyone understands the full complex story? Yeah, thank you. That's a really good point, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, I, and you know, I think those things are kind of part and parcel, right? Um, because, you know, like when you view people as like, you know, kind of just like uh, these perpetually, like, you know, just like this kind of like abstract, like, uh, population that violence is like directed at, but you don't like view their full humanity. That is kind of like that in and of itself is like dehumanizing. Like that's yeah. another example of like why, you know, just like awareness of like all of this like trauma, which like, yes, it's really bleak, but it's like you said, it's not the full picture. Um, and I think especially since like, you know, we're seeing a lot of narratives that are like, you know, like trans, like boys, um, or men or like, you know, uh, people who identify outside of the gender binary who take testosterone, um, you know, it's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, these are like irreversible changes and you're like damaging, you know, your God-given body. Um, and like people are like, you know, just like all of this is just like really negative language. And, you know, all a lot of it isn't really, I mean, most all of it <laughs> isn't actually grounded in, you know, the reality of the situation, which is that like these are, beautiful changes that happen to people. Um, the science is there, um, you know, and like there's, you know, there's just, you know, transness isn't like a destructive thing. It's like, yeah. it's um, an act of creation and it's really beautiful. Um, and I think like, you know, again, like one thing that I kind of talked about in my piece was just like how something even more important than like awareness can just be like the joy of like, gathering you know like with trans people and like you know like buying somebody a coffee or like taking them out to dinner or like you know even just like going out and like dancing or staying in and dancing like if that's your thing you know so if we um, were i guess if we were to look at this week and restructure it or even even if it, maybe the week doesn't even need to exist maybe there needs to be a different version of it what does that look mm -hmm. like for you yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily know that like I would be the one <laughs> to be like we need to like do away with trans awareness week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah of course. You know, like to an extent, like I understand like the utility of it, but kind of like you said, I think we're at this really critical inflection point where like maybe yes, this like served a purpose at one time, but not really any uh, well but you know, the stakes are quite different now. Yeah. Um definitely. and so I think, you know, obviously, like, awareness is definitely, like, a good thing to an extent. Um, but then I think, you know, it's also, like, actually taking time to, like, engage with, you know, trans people's humanity and, like, not just that, but also, I think, really, um, you know, taking the time to, like, invest in these like material acts of care and that doesn't always mean like you know giving people money although yes like if you can do that you should yes. be doing that yes yes um, no fun me you mentioned that in Not your even article fund me. it's just well, like yeah, cash any, yeah cash up any find the link ask for the link and send money as someone who's yeah. in the community obviously you report for an lgbtq media publisher but what is it like for you to constantly have to report about this 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and that was something that I touched on as well. Um, you know, I don't take the position that I'm in for granted, like ever, like every single day. I totally. am like so, so grateful, um, uh, you know, for the fact that like I'm in a position where like I get to like tell queer and trans stories and it's not like through because, you know, like so often it's like, you know, it's like cis people and straight people like reporting on these things and like often like there are just like these nuances that that are lost and again not i'm not saying that i'm like the end all be all of like a trans experience but like it's it's you know it's nice to be in a position um where i'm able to do that but you know that being said it you know it does weigh quite heavily on me um because like Uh, and I, I find it ironic because, you know, it's kind of like it's trans week awareness and it's like, wow, I have I have like not been able to take a break mm. from awareness, you know. Um, well, because, I yeah, you're love, not just yeah. a trans person like you. Your existence is so much more than that. I think oftentimes mm-hmm. queer and trans folks who are have the opportunity and the privilege to kind of monetize off of their their identities people don't realize that with awareness also comes this like the double-edged sword of visibility and the the tiredness Mm -hmm. that comes with having to constantly talk about your experience and and not be able to honestly sometimes just live in your experience and so I, i i totally understand that from a perspective of one just working in queer spaces and oftentimes yeah. being the 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 one of you know not a lot right of people who have the mm-hmm. privilege of being able to um speak about the necessities of things because we need you we need you to do, continue to do what you're doing oh. you're providing so much you know information you. and educating to so many people and so you know thank you for coming on we really appreciate you yeah thank you so much that's so kind of you i really appreciate that Aww. Well, we appreciate you. Hope to have you back. That was James Factora, a a writer for them.us. Check out uh, their post about this. Trans people deserve so much more than your awareness. Thank you again. Thank you. We'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, supposedly, according to this Vice.com article, if you want to look instantly sexier, you might want to delete your social media. Uh, This brings up an interesting point. Do you find you're more attracted 
yes. people who don't have yes. social media presence yes. and following. Yes. Oh, okay. That was me orgasming. Um, no, seriously, <laughs> it is the sexiest thing. Um, because honestly, a person who doesn't have social media after being someone who's kind of like, unfortunately, my job is a part of being yeah. on social media. Yep. It, it's the best thing. It's one, because... Like I said in the last segment about visibility, it can be a double-edged sword um, because it, once you're visible there, people automatically have this assumption of who you are. Um, and oftentimes, it is not the full picture. And um, not even oftentimes, it's not the full picture. Except on my social media, maybe yeah, it is. Except for you. Like, um, because you, put, you give everybody <laughs> everything. Uh, but like I think for me, it's been really refreshing. Like The guy that I have now, um, that I'm dating now, does that have social media? And I appreciate it at, like so much. Yep. Like I don't find it to be weird. Like I don't find it to be like creepy I, yeah, or I anything. Agree. I, I just I just like it that they have other things in their life going True. on that is not social media is not number one. True. Uh, coming from someone who uh, as or as someone who has dated someone who was even more into social media than I am, mm. and I'm already pretty into it i know you were like dating like the king i was the of next social. level yeah, it was like wild. i must say it was it was difficult because uh he would yeah get very depressed if his numbers were up and all that which yeah. are anxieties that i have but like it was next level yeah and it kind of got old right. right at a certain point you're like i don't know what to do about this <laughs> like i can't and also it becomes this thing of definitely caring about the appearance and their brand and this and that, which everyone has their own business and all that. But it it, it does move into somewhat can narcissistic territory where like all they do is really care about what they're doing, right? Um, and so that w- kind of sucked. The one good thing about dating someone, if you're in social media and they are in social media, is you get to create together. Like that is actually fun no. sometimes if you enjoy it. If you no. enjoy it. Or like because I love traveling to be able to travel with a relationship person. that's online. You, you always, always have to, you, especially when people, the audience gets used to seeing you both together. You have to make this big announcement or put something on your Insta story like Camilla and Sean Mendez did talking about y'all broke up. Y'all don't need to know any of that. It's none of your business. And also, like, I love the way Issa Rae does it. Like, she has, like, she got married and no one knew. And she always has kept her 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 personal life completely separate from her business life. And that's probably really due to her man not being on social media in any form or any facet. And, I, and I'm like, I appreciate that because really social media is not the end all be all. There's so much oh, more yeah. to life that uh, that, you know, you really can, you know, just experience. And for me, I it just feels like it is, especially if they're young, like around my age, a, a, a young person around my age with no social media, that's like unheard of. It feels like you're like, um, I don't know, you're getting some magic beans from like Into the Woods or something, you know, the Broadway show. Oh yeah, I know that show. Yeah, yeah I must say. It's a, it's a magic wish. Yeah, my, my partner now isn't and I like it. I also, sometimes my my passion or care for it because it's part of my business more so even now than it was before it does come in between us sometimes where he's just like can you just enough or like yeah. i'll be trying to get his take on something uh, because i do appreciate he's very smart right and i'll be like what do you think about this what is, is this smart like and i'll be like i really my brain doesn't want to do this you right know now. like i'm not your producer that's and, interesting and that, he really says that so yeah. my thing is that's actually really interesting right because it's kind of one of those things where 
because the our our type of jobs are, are so interesting. It's not like your normal nine to five type of job, right? I would you. I feel like that's a good assessment. It, it's it's. I find and I just had this moment. I find it difficult to explain certain moments that I find to be a big deal because it to like someone who doesn't get it because yes. there's no connection to it. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I see. This is interesting, but also like. It's the same thing with him. Like he talks about things that I don't find that that are a big deal, but it doesn't make me feel like I don't want to be with that totally. person. I don't want to like still, you know, carry space with that person. And I think that's just two humans, two individuals having different um lives and I appreciate that. I I don't yep. if if I had to choose, I do not want to date anyone who is online and that is their entire life. True. No. I I think it's nice that they have options outside because yeah, when you start getting too into the online world and your online persona, I feel like it is a bit of a deep, dark hole, rabbit hole. Right. And it, like, there could only be really one person in the relationship that is in that. If you need the balance. Yeah. And I, I need, a, I like the little mystery. I'm, I feel like I'm, because normally True. I would go, uh, find everything I need to look for online and go just basically find all the information and then be shocked when he like actually tells me but I actually already knew so uh, yeah that's actually a funny thing because my girlfriend decided to research my partner uh, as I was starting to date him and because she couldn't find anything she was really worried he was like a murderer. See that, and, that, and then I, I was mean, like, that's no, valid, yeah, but then but also like, like, girl, like people are allowed to not have existence exactly. online. Exactly. Anyway, let us know what you think. Do you find it sexy for someone to not be on social media? Does that turn you on? Mm. At LGT shows, or you can find us on social media. Well, a reality star is discussing how she is letting her husband step out of their marriage to have a child. The big moment that came out on a talk show next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What is going on? We are back. And there was a moment from a talk show that caught a lot of people's attention recently. Tammy Roman, who is a reality star, was talking about her relationship with her husband. And she revealed, and this is actually, I saw this clip originally through your Twitter feed, Ryan. Of course, as you always as do. As I always do. You yes, always create yes. the best content. Thank you very much. God. Thank you. So do you want to get more into this? Because Oh, you want me yeah. to do uh, I mean, like I, well, I got yeah. you. So I, basically, I she was on The Real, and yeah. she was talking about how she feels her career is in a space. Tammy Roman, there's a significant age gap, by the way, between her and her partner. And um, she was talking about how he wants to have kids. She does not want to have kids. Her career's taking off. She's a little bit older. She's like, I don't want to. I don't want to carry a baby. I don't want to take care of a newborn. That's just not where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. So she's given him space where they've had conversations, saying, "Okay, well, why don't we take a break for a year or two? You go find a woman, get her pregnant, mm-hmm. and have." the baby that you wanted, then we can get back together yeah. and then we, we can co-parent and all these things and wow. she's kind of giving him a hall pass. And I thought because, that was really interesting. Because he wants a child. Yeah, he wants a child and he's also an a, a only child and so she wants him to be able to have his own legacy through having kids, right? Which is really sweet and very progressive, I would say. I would say. But of course, the internet saw this mm. and was like, hell to the no. Oh, really? But, what do we think? Should we? Pl- oh, I thought we had the clip. No. Oh, we don't. Well, I think one. It's that her was ex- me. Yeah. I was the club. <laughs> you were it. Yeah. I think it's her experience. Maybe this isn't quote unquote what we would say is normal traditional, but at the same time, like what is normal or traditional anymore, right? Um, I I think it's a a bold move if and it does show a lot of love. At the same time, I'm wondering if she's doing that out of her own trauma. Like, is this you know? It, it just depends. It could be really 
difficult, you know, if imagine if she's saying, oh, yeah, do this. But then if she's really feeling like this is this doesn't feel good, then it could be bad on the other side of it. However, if she really in her heart of all hearts is like, no, I've already kind of healed from this, which it doesn't feel like she's possibly healed from this yet. And like, this is the decision. This is the way I want to go. Then good on her. I just I, I think that this could be very traumatizing to have someone that you were that close with that you went through um, moments trying to uh, so many moments and experience trying to have a child and it didn't work it didn't happen and then this is like your solution instead of maybe deciding to adopt or do it well i don't think it was here's the thing she's 51 years old okay so like i said there's a a significant age difference from Mm. from her and her partner and my thing is yes they've they've tried and they've had they didn't haven't had as much success but also tammy is actually i mean at the height of her career right now where she's becoming like a legit actress yeah you know she's doing a lot with the real world reboot and Mm -hmm. she's actually like at a, a moment where she even says in the interview that she's at a moment where her career is like rewarding her for all the hard work that she's put in and i think you know, to be able to have that type of transparency is something that we should really normalize in the sense of, like, if she feels in her hearts of hearts that this is something where she could open up her marriage and allow this to happen and still be like, well, I think this is as a great thing because he's getting what he wants. He's happy. I'm happy because I get to continue to do my career. That's that's a beautiful thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think so many couples are having really interesting conversations about what their version of monogamy looks like. Yeah. And that's really important because I believe both parties should be happy. But she did say that every time she brings it up, he's like, I'm in love with you. I don't oh, want so that. Oh, so it's just more her thing that she put yeah, out Yeah, she's there. like, but she's giving him the opportunity. Yeah. And I think that is absolutely, like, actually really cool. It's, but it's, I know it's not for everybody. It's also com- complicated. It's complex. Yeah, it's very complicated. But I do appreciate this moment and the conversation is creating. You're right. Uh, well, next up, why tennis stars are concerned about a Chinese pro who is missing. More on that story and more news next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, we're back. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. But now we've got some more show for you. In 30 minutes, we're talking about how to reverse pandemic brain aging. This isn't if you've gotten COVID or have long COVID. This is literally if you've been through the pandemic, which all of us have, your brain has aged. We're going to talk more about that in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A library canceled a book reading event for children that was about inclusion and acceptance, citing safety concerns. Just horrible. After receiving threatening phone calls when a Republican politician attacked the event and drew statewide attention to it. The Denton Public Library holds uh, Rainbow Storytime events several times a year. The events present books about marginalized groups, self-acceptance and friendship to kids, something that many adults need right now. The events aren't just about LGBTQ themes and the rainbow is in the name um, as a symbol of various groups of people coming together, not as a reference to the pride flag. Uh, Very unfortunate. Now, where is Peng Shui is a question that is on lots of people's minds. One of China's most recognizable tennis stars, uh, Shui, has not been seen in public since she accused former vice premier Zhang uh, uh, Gaioli of coercing her into sex at his home three years ago. According to screenshots of a since-deleted social media post dated November 2nd, she's literally been missing since. Her post on Weibo, which is China's Twitter-like platform, was deleted within 30 minutes of publication, with Chinese censors moving to wipe out any mention of the accusation online. This is messed up. Her Weibo account, which has more than half a million followers, is still blocked from searchers on the platform. Many, included, uh, including Serena Williams, are posting publicly about this. 
She said, I'm devastating and shocked to hear about the news of my peer, Peng Shui. I hope she is safe and found as soon as possible. This must be investigated and we must not stay silent. Sending love to her and her family during this incredibly difficult time. How scary. Now, uh, a new Ann Arbor, Michigan ordinance requires all public bathrooms to provide sanitary products, including pads and tampons, to users at no cost. Thank God more cities need to do this. Actually, this should be a federal law, and it's believed to be the first city in the U.S. to do so. The new ordinance, uh, effective January 1st, 2022, applies to all public restrooms under the plumbing code, not just municipal buildings and without regard to gender designation. So this is really good because you know how much money is spent on uh, these types of products? We spend way too much money and so many times when you need it, it's not available. Mm. So it's also an accessibility thing. So good on Ann Arbor for doing this change. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Another housewife is getting the documentary treatment. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City star Jen Shaw is the new focus of a new film coming to Hulu later this month. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So if you're not familiar with this whole thing, it's called the Housewife and the Shaw Shocker. Oh. And it's pre- uh, premiering next Monday, November 29th. And we'll, well, well, no, that's not next Monday. The Monday after that. Um, and it will feature interviews with housewife commentators as well as friends and family who know Shaw. According to a press release, the film will also include interviews um, and, uh, with Penny Joe Puckett and Marie Walker, two of the alleged victims of the suspected telemarketing scheme that led to Jen Shaw's arrest. Um, here is a little clip of the trailer. Think of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm sorry, it's the Jen Shaw show. Ain't no party like a Jen Shaw party. Because a Jen Shaw party now stop. Hey! Diva. Drama. Money and fame. Unpredictable. Unhinged. Crazier than anyone could have guessed. She was giving us the money. She was giving us the looks. It mm-hmm. seemed like she was the prime housewife. But then suddenly, OMG. We've seen a lot of things on the Real Housewives, but we've never seen anyone be arrested. Money, money. So, I mean, this is going to be pretty juicy. Um, if you, Like I said, if you have not watched The Housewives of Salt Lake City, Jen Shaw, which has been kind of airing out and playing out on um, this season of uh-huh. uh, Salt Lake City, basically... SWAT, NYPD, Homeland Security came in the middle of like they're about to leave to a girl's trip, right? Uh-huh. Came to arrest her. She had left 12 minutes before because she got tipped off by her husband. She lied in the moment and said, oh, my husband has internal bleeding. I have to head to the oh, hospital. God. 12 minutes later, the feds were literally at the, the, the bus before they were taking off asking, where's Jen Shaw? We just want to make sure she's okay. All the news comes out. Of course, there is this suspected telemarketing scheme. She's been taking people's data. She's been scamming old people. It's a whole thing. And so two of these victims are apparently speaking out on this new ABC documentary that's airing November 29th. It's going to feature everything you need to know. I mean, the housewives are giving it to us, but it is just absolutely wild. Her arrest played out across two um, episodes, literally this two episodes that just passed. It's just horrible and, um, when you do that to people. Girl. It's like really it's, mean. It's wild. I mean, it's still developing. We're still going to see. Jen is facing up to 50 years in prison if convicted. Her trial is set to begin in March 2022. That is your T-Report, and I have more coming up next hour. Well, you know, we're talking about booster shots right now. What it really feels like to get a booster shot, and should you even get one? That's next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Over 26 million Americans have received a booster shot so far. And of course, this is for COVID. The reactions that people have reported after their boosters appear to be in line with what people felt after their second dose. Uh, But some are saying that it's even worse. So what's exactly going on? And should you be getting one? Dr. Michael Sag is back with us. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a while. Yeah. Hey, there you are. Okay, so have you gotten your booster? I have. Okay. And is it as bad as everyone says? Like, I guess I'm hearing from no symptoms to this is the reason why, like, people shouldn't be getting boosters. Well, I think your reporting is accurately capturing what's going on. It's impossible to predict how any single person is going to respond. But what I can say is that the symptoms, even if you do have a reaction, like I had a reaction after each shot, is if I had COVID again without the respiratory problem, uh, it lasts about eight to 12 hours and then it goes away. And it's far better than getting COVID itself, which, as you know, I've suffered through. So uh, some people, my wife got it. She had no symptom on her booster. So it's, it's just something we need to do because I think the surge in cases that we're seeing all over the country, for now it's happening in the Northeast and in Minnesota, I think it's where the antibody levels drop after about six months from the original series, and we're all going to need a booster. Yeah, do you think people are, you know, are, are they getting the booster enough? Like, are, especially when getting the booster, do they need to get the booster that they originally got when they got the first two shots, or can they mix it up? That's a great question, Ryan. And what, what we've learned from a study last month at the NIH is that it's perfectly fine if you got Moderna, the first two, then to go to Pfizer, or conversely, if you got Pfizer, to go to Moderna. The thing is, though, if you're going to get Moderna for a booster in either situation, you want to get half dose because the full oh. dose isn't really required, and there's likely to be more side effects with the with the full dose. So if you get Moderna as a booster, get half dose. If you're getting Pfizer, go ahead and get the same dose you had before. And you just go in them, to them and tell them that it's possible just to get half a dose? Yes. The, the pharmacies know about this. Um, and, and it's standard right now for the booster. Now, if you're again, if you're getting your regular initial series, the first two shots, you hadn't been vaccinated prior to now, uh, you want to get the full dose Moderna like everybody else did. Is this going to be something that we're going to continue having to do every six months? I don't know if it'll be every six months, Shara. I think uh, it, it, it will be no sooner than six months, but I think it'll be at least annually. Look, we're going to be in this mess with coronavirus for years to come. It's not going to just go away. I think we can anticipate the next five years, maybe the next decade. Who knows? But this is going to be with us. I would say like influenza stays with us and we're going to have to be fighting it. That's why those people, people who might be out there listening who have decided they don't want to get vaccinated. Well, it's a, it's a time game. You're the longer you go without being vaccinated, the more likely it is that you're going to pick it up and you could get very sick and go to the hospital. The benefits of the the vaccine, even though there are breakthrough cases at six months, like I was just talking about, very few people who have been vaccinated end up in the hospital. And if you are vaccinated, there's a 12-fold reduced risk of dying. 12-fold, not twice, not threefold, 
12-fold versus someone who is unvaccinated. But isn't the virus getting, like, not as strong as more people get vaccinated? So the unvaccinated are just benefiting off of all of us. Well, yeah, I think it, it's much. not that the virus is changing, but the, um, the number of people around that it can successfully infect starts to go down. But that's where the booster helps. In other words, if none of us got a booster, we would be seeing even more surges with breakthrough cases. Those folks who get it aren't necessarily going to be in the hospital or die, but they will get sick and potentially transmit to others. Getting the booster prevents the symptomatic infection as well as keeping the protection against serious infection and death. Are we, by the way, uh, I just have this out of curiosity. Maybe I should look it up, but you're here. Are we eligible, like, uh, if you aren't, um, don't have any predispositions or anything or elderly? Hey, I'm getting mine next week. Yeah, you're getting, you already did your appointment. Yeah. Uh, What is the the norm here? Is it, should we all be getting boosters now? I think so. It's not official, official. Okay. Some states are moving forward. Within the next two weeks, it's going to come out. I'm I'm pretty sure from CDC and FDA that says, yep. Anybody over the age of 18 who got an original vaccine series, no matter what your situation is, go ahead and get it. And I think that's what we'll see from this point forward. It won't be the segregation of people who are over the age of 55 or something. It'll be all of us. Okay. Well, that was Dr. Michael Sag again, infectious diseases expert. Thanks so much for being here. Always great having you on. Good being back with you. Well, speaking of the pandemic, this is real and it's very scary. How to reverse pandemic brain aging. What are the symptoms and what to do about it next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It seems like our brains are aging at a worrying rate as dementia has tripled in those aged 30 to 64 in the U.S. While in the U.K. it has actually surpassed heart disease as a leading cause of death. And the pandemic didn't make this any better. Joining us right now is award-winning independent journalist Fiona Lowenstein, who also talks about her own experience with long COVID within her work and is here for this story today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me back. How are you guys doing? Yes, you know, we are uh, good. You know, we are still covering stories like this, which is, it's sad. I mean, this is a new angle to it. I feel like we've talked about COVID symptoms and long COVID. Pandemic brain is something I don't know if I've heard of until this popped up. It was trending this week. Tell us more about what it is. Yeah, so long COVID is a an umbrella term that typically describes people who have symptoms following a COVID infection that lasts for more than a month. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are experiencing this. Um, and one of the primary symptoms that people talk about is kind of neurological and cognitive functioning issues. Mm. So people will describe brain fog um, and trouble communicating and issues with memory. And I experienced this myself when I was sick. And I have to say, honestly, my memory, I've mostly recovered, but my memory is still not what it was. And so I think this is something that is definitely affecting a lot of people with long COVID. But then obviously there's the added issue of Most of us have spent a lot of time inside. We haven't had a whole lot of stimuli. So a lot of us might be, even those who haven't had COVID, might be experiencing some level of brain fog. So it can get a little tricky because we're talking about kind of two different groups of people who might be experiencing something similar. But one is a result of this, you know, COVID infection. And as you mentioned, dementia is one potential outcome from from a post-viral illness like that. So how do you adapt to this kind of new way of, I guess, navigating your life? Yeah, it's it's really hard. And, you know, for me, I think I was one of the lucky ones because I kind of had the financial privilege to be able to quit a lot of my work mm-hmm. when I was recovering from COVID and, and really focus on rest and that sort of thing. But 
you know, it, it's it's all about pacing, I think, right? Like a lot of us have learned that, okay, it used to take me 60 seconds to write a quick email. Now it takes me, you know, two minutes or three minutes because I have to reread what I wrote and make sure that it makes sense. Um, and so I think it, it varies in severity. And so we have people who, you know, are no longer able to cook for themselves because they're forgetting what they're doing in the middle of cooking or are no, no longer able to drive. And so in those instances, you know, you're seeing a huge change in lifestyle. And I think a lot of people are becoming increasingly dependent on friends and family as caregivers. And so, you know, for those listening, if you have friends who are long COVID patients, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and kind of offer offer help. Um, but it's hard because I think none of us know exactly what the long, long-term impacts of this stuff is going to be. We don't know if most of these people are going to recover or if they're not going to. And we don't know if we're going to see a wave of dementia in, you know, young people who had COVID-19 and, you know, survived, oh but perhaps yeah are not back to their baseline. You know, it's so interesting because when I saw Pandemic Brain, I almost thought it, it, this could be for people who had COVID or not because of just the change of how we interacted for a year or more and how it changed our brain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I think the term brain fog, you know, it's being thrown around a lot. And people who have not had long COVID are also experiencing some of these issues, right? Because of just that I mean, I've basically mainly seen my partner for the past year and, and no one else really. Um, and I'm very sick of my apartment. Um, but I think also, of course, you know, there there are these larger issues affecting people with long COVID. And there's also this question of it being kind of hard to diagnose long COVID because a lot of people who have COVID had, you know, a mild case or maybe they felt better for a period of time and then these symptoms pop up. But um there was a recent study uh, in October that said that up, that up to 50% of people who have had a COVID infection, even a mild or asymptomatic infection, could go on to develop long COVID. So that's a huge, huge percentage of the population. So I think there are a lot of people walking around who may have some level of these symptoms, but not be aware that it could be connected to a COVID infection. So interesting. Yeah. In, in, in this article, it said, because of also the lack of sleep, poor diet, sedentary lifestyles, modern living is taking its toll on our brains. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of that is true. And I think especially for, for folks who are sick, for folks who are chronically ill or disabled, you know, there's been one of the upsides of the pandemic was the, this kind of emergence of remote work in this new way. And I think it allowed people to kind of manage those symptoms to some degree. But then, of course, there is that other side of it of, you know, remote work, meaning perhaps less in-person interaction and again, less stimuli and and that can maybe take a toll as well. But but something that we're seeing a lot right now in, in the body politics support group is just people being kind of freaked out by having to, you know, return to in-person work or mm. rejoin society because they're like, I don't know what I'm capable of. You know, I, I've been home for all of this time. I've been working remotely. I've figured out how to manage my symptoms from home. But I'm scared to get on the subway because I might not remember what stop to get off at. Yeah. So you yeah. mentioned a, a support group briefly there. What what does that I guess what does that really look like, especially if people are like, I just need to find community if people are going through similar things as I am. Yeah, so support groups are definitely what got me through kind of the toughest days of, of my my long COVID journey. Um, I started the Body Politics Support Group, which is housed on the Slack app. So it's it's a lot more kind of interactive than some of the, you know, Facebook forums and that sort of thing. So I really like it for that reason. And you can, you know, go in there and, and search keywords and you can actually see 
you know, everyone's messages since April 2020. So it's really, in addition to providing community, it's providing kind of like a patient written history of this pandemic and the emerging information on it. But there are a lot of great groups out there. Um, And actually, if um, if folks are interested, they can check out Body Politic on Twitter um, at It's Body Politic. Uh, recently did a thread kind of on a bunch of the other support groups all over the world that are supporting long COVID patients. And I really encourage, you know, if anyone is listening and struggling alone, you are not alone. Again, up to 50% of people who have had COVID might be experiencing this. And there is just so much power in community and you get that validation and you get tangible advice too. I mean, that is where I learned to really pace myself and like rest before and after work and that sort of thing. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you for joining us today and breaking it all down. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me and for continuing to talk about this really important topic. Yeah, of course. That was Fiona Lowenstein. Uh, check out their social media at It's Body Politic and join the movement and definitely get that support that you need. By the way, if you're feeling off your brain, a few things, prioritize sleep. Um, cryotherapy, brave the cold. This is from this article. I thought this was really interesting. Feed your brain and get moving. Just some tips and laugh more. We all need more laughter. But next up, a new study that reveals how grandmothers are more connected to their grandchildren. Stick around for that. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are grandmothers more connected to their grandchildren than their own kids? Well, one study is saying yes, which I find very fascinating. Also, it's not that surprising. It's not, actually. I feel like when you're a grandparent, it's almost like you get to redo being a parent and you have like more connection to your grandkids, unless they're evil, of course. Well, <laughs> yes, um, but depending on if you're you're a grandparent and you're evil, then you have a that too a, a, a connection with your evil grandkids. Either way, I completely agree with you. Um, I think grandparents are one; they can sometimes end up being like second oh, parental totally. figures yep. um, in ways that your parents couldn't. And I I wish often that I grew up being able to see my grandmother way more than I did. Oh, you didn't? No, 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 no. Because when me and my mom moved to Nashville, we were the only people out of our family who lived there. But we visited often. It was like a six-hour drive. But sometimes, especially as you get older and just life happens, like you just can't go and be around family in the ways that you used to be. And so I, I would have loved to have been able to say, like, I grew up in my grandmother's home all the time like she had her own house and those were some of my favorite Mm. memories of being in her home and spending like making pallets on the floor having people over it was just like it was always such a a cool thing I remember that that feeling of being around her and just seeing her own space good times most of the time I mean I I was very close with my mother's mom and also, partially it was because my mom was a, like kind of single mom in some for a few years before she remarried, right? And so my grandmother would come over a lot and she was helping her a lot. And so we got really close and developed that relationship. Also, I was the first grandchild. So I was always the favorite, as I like to say. Oh, see, I was, I was, the, la- I was the baby. Oh, so I feel like the baby and the oldest the kind of get, you know, yeah. the priority. Anyway, but th- this article really resonated for me in this study. Um, and I'll tell you how it happened and how they got the results. They scanned areas of the brain while looking at a a child. So the grandmother would look at uh, their grandchild or just any child, and they found that uh, the emotional empathy part of the brain was activated versus cognitive empathy while looking at their own child. So grand 
parents or grandmothers specifically have emotional empathy versus another type of empathy, which I just find really interesting. Well, you know, and also for queer kids, I think grandparents hold a particularly um, soft spot when mm-hmm. it comes to their grand, um, their grandkids because oftentimes the first people in your family that know you're queer are your grandparents because they're they, seeing they things just a peep, bit more. Yeah, they peep it from an outside perspective. Yeah. They see you know who you're growing up to be and and for me that was always like something where even growing up my grandmother never bought up our forced conversations about girlfriends or anything mm-hmm. on me. Oh. Now she did do it recently and that was very strange um but my grandmother turned 85 yesterday and i feel like as she gets older you know the filter is just a little bit everywhere totally. and she just says whatever she wants and so i'm getting used to that but uh like i said i think for me i think my grandmother is always genuinely known which is why i've i've been really toying with the idea of being like it is time for me to Make sure my grandmother knows who I am. Well, according to this, she'll have a lot of empathy for you. Well, I mean, as you know, you get to the end of your life in some state, like you're kind of like just letting things, you're not as like uptight about yes, things. Yes, you're letting things go. Yeah. I mean, or if you were already had like an uptight personality and you never did dealt with it, it gets yeah. sometimes worse. Is there one thing now, because I know your grandmother has passed, mm-hmm. is there one thing that you wish you would have told your grandmother before she left? Oh my God, we were, I told her so much. I mean, I would dance with her at weddings and start crying. She'd be like, why are you crying? I'm like, because this is the, might be over at a certain, or one day you're not going to be here, yeah. right? So I was very emotional about being with her every time I was, including the last few years. Really? Like I, well, I knew, I always felt like this could be the last time. You just never know. So you never left anything unsaid? Yeah, I I just wish she had seen me with someone I really loved. Oh, which is I mean, but my thing is, <laughs> and with watching. a child, yeah, she's I just watching. wish that was the one thing. I because all my other um, cousins had kids, yeah. and I'm the oldest one, and I never got married, never had a kid. But I know she is, and I know it, she brought me and my partner together. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Oh, I am like I'm getting into it, y'all. Uh, no, I, but I, I feel that same thing, and I, I feel that same emotion where I'm just like I'm not even nervous about this anymore like in, in most cases I would have been yeah. so nervous but no nah, I'm not I, I want her to see me I want I want to have these last moments and cherish that and and damn I guess I am going home for Christmas there we go let's <laughs> bring everyone together let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q okay we're wrapping up the shows we always do with our yes queen of the day yes queen this is a unique one it's more a powerful statement I mean, this is a good one. I think our Yes Queen comes in all different forms. Totally. So as we know, there have been efforts to ban books at school libraries, particularly those telling the stories of LGBTQ youth. And now a Facebook post on the topic has gone viral. It was shared by Fluggerville Public Library in Texas. And they aim to provide a visual of what library shelves would look like if everything containing subject matters that could cause someone discomfort were to be removed. So they said this is a before and after shot of what a single shelving unit in the library's teen space would look like if we removed removed every book with content that could offend someone. There was literally like four books. Yeah, left. so they first show the before, <laughs> which is all the books, and then they show the after. With the bookshelf is basically empty. It says out of 159 books, there are 10 left on the shelves. We removed books that contained profanity, teen drinking, religious content, racism, magic, abuse, sexual content, and more. Here's the thing. What? I used to volunteer at the library. When I was younger, I volunteered at the library. It was my summer program. It was actually what my summers were filled with. Once I kind of got like older in high school and you start to think about college and stuff, I was a part of the summer reading program. But anyway, I've done all of that, right? And I think libraries are so crucial 
to spaces where I would see folks come in. They would, you know, bring their kids there because oftentimes no one has daycare. No one has all these things. True, and, yeah. and that was a safe space for them to read all types of content, rent anything out. I mean, at that time, it was like VHSs and DVDs yeah. and things like that. Yep. And, and it just is wild that we're seeing so many Republicans, conservatives, weaponize books in this way. It, it honestly is, it's giving some dystopian world. It's really weird. Where it's just like, do you Horrible. want to just burn everything down that reminds you of the truth or that reminds you of uh, stories that are different from also, yours? Also, someone sharing their lived experience. Yeah. I mean, the headlines, even under, this was on Yahoo.com, the headlines below are scary. It says, why parents tried to ban this children's book about a Chinese immigrant family. Author of the most banned book in the U.S. speaks out. I expect to be relegated to the edges. This is the world we're living in right now. This is sad. I know. It's 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 really disappointing. Um, and it's just like, I always know the world is going to be the world. Um, but to get to a point where we are really weaponizing books in this way is just, it's something that I guess I would have never really imagined ever happening. And there is just... At the end of the day, if kids want to know something, they'll find it. They're going to get to it. Yeah. Always get to it, especially with Audible book. All they got to do is download <laughs> like, a, uh, an app. Anything. We don't have technology. And I can, I can listen to the damn book that you're trying to um, get away from me. And so it's it's just you could order it on okay. Amazon. It's anyway, very true, even though that is not accessible. Well, this library did inspire us all. Again, making, the library is open. Yeah, again, making uh, an important and powerful statement. So, thank you to this public library in Texas for doing the right thing, and they get our yachts queen of the day. Yes, queen. That also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, same time, wrapping the week up with you. Two to six p.m. Pacific, five to nine p.m. Eastern. Live. We're honoring the trans community during Trans Day of Remembrance all tomorrow. Righty. Plus, what does it mean to be finan- to financially cheat on your partner? I'm intrigued. Wow. We're going to be talking more about that tomorrow. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's talking about how to be an adult. (laughs) That's great. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? Nerd Wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. 
Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.